Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Voice in the Pen podcast. Emily and I are super thrilled today to be welcoming Linda Draper to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Hey, this is a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think we all met really as a result of the Voice in the Pen. At least I know I met you as a result of the Voice in the Pen. Is that yes. pretty accurate? Yeah. I think you reached out to us mm-hmm. on our Voice in the Pen page, which is um, which is really cool. The Instagram gets, yeah. gets around to different artists. And um, yeah, that's how we met you. Yeah, it was great. I, I um, moved here about a year ago. I'm in Surf City now. And I remember just kind of checking out, like, where are there um, opportunities for singer-songwriters to present their original material in the, this area? Because there's a lot of opportunities, and I just didn't know where they were. And on a Facebook music community page was uh, how I heard about you guys originally. And then I saw on Instagram, and I was like, this just looks so cool. What an awesome collective. And me and uh, my husband came to check out a show, and just instant fans. It's just such a cool thing you guys are doing. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. And I mean, we, it wouldn't be as cool as it is without people like you. So thank you for coming and sharing your music with us and sharing thank your you. thoughts and ideas today. What on earth possessed you? And I like to ask this, especially <laughs> of guitar players, but like what on earth possessed you to want to pick up a guitar and, and, and make original music? You know, how did, why did, why did you do that? Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, I can remember it like it was yesterday. Yeah. Um, I was, maybe around 13 or so and my mom had an old nylon string guitar that was just lying around she used to play guitar Um, that's how she met my dad in college Um, and my father also is a classical guitarist till this day Um, and so I grew up with music always in my family Um, I was always you know my dad was my first musical influence um, and so really, I just was curious. It was just the curiosity to see what I could do. I was also at that age where I felt um, misunderstood. And this was a great outlet for me to uh, convey what I was really thinking and feeling. Sure. And, and you were writing songs then at 13? You started writing songs? I or? started writing songs shortly thereafter. I, I think I was around... Well, first I learned to play a couple of songs. Yeah. <laughs> The, just the to chords, get, yeah. right? <laughs> G, C, D, yeah, and all the things. Yeah, just the basics. <laughs> yeah. You know, you really don't need a whole lot to get started. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I learned a very simple, simple classical piece that my dad taught me. And then I think the second song I learned was uh, Closer to Fine by the Indigo Girls, <laughs> which is like, I think, the most uh, played song by so many people and for good reason. Oh, it just yeah. every had, It's one of those songs that has all the elements you know it has the awesome chords that aren't too hard for beginner (laughs) guitar players Mm -hmm. no scary bar chords and uh the lyrics just really drew me in and um so after learning just a couple of songs i think another like top five song that i learned was um uh leaving las vegas Mm -hmm. sheryl crow Mm -hmm. um and it was around then that i got you know turned on to all this other uh, stuff going on by you know Suzanne Vega, another early influence. Um, but I was around 15, 16 when I started really um, writing down my own songs mm-hmm. and being inspired to, to write more songs. And when did you first record? I first recorded, hmm, we did uh, recording projects in college a lot. So we did, because um, I went to school for music. Okay. And 
so we had studio space available and that was where kind of I got um, acclimated to recording but I didn't really put out my first album until 2001 okay and that was by that time I'd moved to the city and I was getting inspired by this whole new group of amazing songwriters in the scene that was being fostered around there around the time um, in the Lower East Village mm-hmm. called the anti-folk scene. <laughs> 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 Which is interesting because I don't know, I, I'm not really considering myself to be uh, for or against much of anything. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of ambiguous and, uh, you know, it, but there was kind of this... Oh, so this ongoing feeling I had, I think more in my 20s, maybe it was like my second adolescence of feeling like I didn't fit in and Mm. I didn't belong anywhere. And for whatever reason, it was this group of people and this community that really embraced me and and let me do what I do. And I was just so inspired by um, the output that was coming out from that scene. And was it like definitively not folk? Is that that their shtick? Oh, yeah. So the idea was... um, the kind of creator of the, of the anti-folk scene, this guy, Latch, um, had a really punk rock uh, aesthetic. Um, and he had tried to play a few songs around the West Village, you know, it's like East, Lower East Side mm-hmm. and then the West Side, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and there was all these kind of really clicky folk communities that were that, that heard his music and were like, no, it's not really a good fit for us. Thanks, but no thanks. Wow. And so he said, well, if that's what folk is, then I'm anti-folk and I'm going to just do my own thing. Anybody and everybody should be able to play how they want to, you know, and just mm-hmm. because it all has an acoustic guitar and it's a box of wood and six strings, it shouldn't, you know, that should be the one uni- like uniting characteristic. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be like having to fit into a certain box. I think we can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I, would, I would not say that the voice in the pen is anti-folk, but it is definitely on the inclusive side, you know, because we do a little bit of everything yeah. From, yeah. from hip-hop and rap artists right. to spoken word. We've seen a lot of different things come across the stage. Yeah. But uh, the irony of having an anti-folk movement in the Lower East Side is not lost on me. Yeah. <laughs> one of my main important things to do last time that we were in the city was to walk by one of Dylan's residences. So awesome. <laughs> yeah. you got to do it. They're a little different now. Oh, a little were. different. Oh, indeed. Yeah, the Sidewalk Cafe that was um, once there is no longer. Um, Let's see, the Raven, which was another venue where a lot of the music was being played out of, I think, burned down. Um, And, you know, it's such a case with a lot of music venues. um, They're gone, Mm -hmm. you know, just they can't afford to stay open, especially the last few years. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've grown out of that feeling that I don't belong phase in my life. I'm just kind of now embracing, you know, where I am and who I am. And um, it's great. I think it's, you know, you get kind of, as you continue to do music, um, it's kind of funny how, how sometimes people come up to you and I don't know if you get this like, oh, are you still doing your music thing? Like, <laughs> like uh, uh, yeah, it's kind of, yes. like, I always found that question kind of, I, I have to conceal not, like laughing because it's right. it's like asking, oh, are you still breathing these yeah. things? <laughs> and <laughs> from, from their perspective, it's almost like, oh, are you still selling the pampered chef thing stuff? Like, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's and what do you do? Do you do other work? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you do something else mm-hmm. other than music? Yeah, it's kind of a loaded question. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, so you're just doing it as a hobby, or it's like, and you know, um, do I you never... get paid to do this? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's funny how that works. No, I don't yeah. make any money. I just I, I gig five times a week, but you know for, it's just for, for fun. Yeah, well, I mean I actually I play the music. <laughs> I play the music for free. You have to pay me to carry the gear in, set it up, take it down, and carry it out. The music playing. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you doing in music and with music now besides mm-hmm. winning capos from G Seven? <laughs> <laughs> oh, shout out to G Seven Capo. Um, well, I have been trying to rebuild up my social media presence, which is very lacking. Uh, a couple of years ago, I just needed to have some break from the whole social media. I found it to be very draining. I ended up wasting way too much time doing nothing at all creative on it, getting caught up in like the Facebook rants and streams and doom scrolling, you know? <laughs> and I uh, just needed a break. So I just actually canceled all of my accounts at the time. I was like, I'm done. I don't need this. And I did an experiment, actually. This is very interesting. Um, Cause I know a lot of fellow songwriters out there are always being pushed to, you know, promote your songs, get it out on the social medias and to get, so you can get more people to come to your show. Mm-hmm. So um, being living in the city, as long as I did, I was like, I think I can get the same amount of people to come to my show without any social media presence. And it basically was the same amount of turnout. It was still like the same 20 something people that were there, you know? Mm-hmm. So I found it interesting that, you know, so much of this is just this illusion. Like you have yeah. to have this huge presence and, I mean, and then what made me go back was I, I got a gig that I had really wanted for a, a long time. It was um, it was part of uh, John Platt's uh, Under the Ra- On Your Radar show at uh, Rockwood Music Hall. And um, John Platt, who's with WFUV, who is like this, the best radio station for all grassroots acoustic music in New York City. Um, and so for me, it was a really ample opportunity uh, to to play in a room with some really cool people. And so the promoter for the show said, oh, I was, you know, getting the word out about the uh, show and I, I can't find your Facebook page. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> and so I said, um, oh, yeah, I'm going to get on that right away. I had to, you know, shut it off for a minute. And so I, I had to basically, long story short, I had to, I had to make a Facebook create a new Facebook account like Linda Draper 2 or whatever and and then I redid my I started up my Instagram page again and got my YouTube channel going so this past year or two really you know kind of on the tail end of the pandemic um, I have been working with my husband who is the my kind of partner in crime for South 40 Records, mm-hmm. my record label to um, where I put out my last album that was also recorded during the pandemic um, and building up my social media presence, getting more videos, um, mm-hmm. especially on YouTube and just doing it for the fun of it again. Um, since I'm still kind of learning places to play um, around here locally that um I still need to find some more venues and opportunities for. Until then, I, I've been having just fun uh, creating music in my own little office, you know, South 40 Records homestead. And uh, it's been great, you know. That's awesome. Yeah. What's, what's your, so creating music, and this is something we love to dive into, is mm-hmm. what is your writing practice? Like, how do you go about, how do you approach writing songs? Mm-hmm. Is it different every time or is there like a method that works consistently for you? And how do you how do you approach that? That's a good question. I think that, you know, I will be consistently doing one thing for a while and then I just like to change it up to see. So sometimes I'll have ideas for a lyric or or two that I'll jot down so I don't forget it. And it might make its way into a song, but 
uh, usually it's just really, I'm finding these days just allowing myself the space and the time to contemplate, to just be present and not expect anything to happen mm. and just, you know, pick up the guitar again like it was the first time, like, like it was when I was 14 and I was just curious about what could happen. And um, so for me now, it's been really just allowing myself the time and, and the place, you know, like having the space to do it, which is sometimes the most challenging part, <laughs> finding the time these days. Adulting is, is yeah. not... Co co you know, it doesn't work well with yeah. adulting. It's like, eh. yeah. So I'm like, sleep, eh, you know. So it's always that that trade off. Um, but that's how you're living the dream, I guess, right? Yeah. I remember a BB King quote that said, "The reason I am where I am today is because when everybody else was sleeping, I was practicing scales." Oh, absolutely. That's so true. <laughs> yeah. A little, you know, sleep deprivation could be a, a very good thing. I think yeah. we're meant to be tired sometimes and mm -hmm. hungry sometimes and, you know, thirsty sometimes. And that's all and okay. And a lot of musicians are late night people. Yeah. I'm oh, discovering yeah. more and more. I mean, I'm one. But <laughs> you were a night owl. <laughs> you know, I'm a night yeah. owl. It's regular for me to be up at two or three in the morning. Um, yeah. And time just goes by so fast when you do get in. So once that space happens and then something just unlocks, you know, you're able yeah. to really just get on that wave of whatever it is. It's usually for me, it's a chord progression that, mm -hmm. that you almost like hear like the, the, the melody kind of going with it, flowing with it. And then it's just having fun. It's like being in a sandbox when you're a kid, just playing. Yeah. And so I try to just remember that part. I used you know? to say when I was, um, I know when we talked, when we talked to Sam earlier, he was talking about, you know, just listening to it and then singing like, like nonsensical words and then mm -hmm. playing it back. And like, I've done that with a song of mine where I'll just put it in my ears and I'm like, what do I want to come out like after this, you know? So it's like, play it over and over and over and over mm -hmm. and over. Oh yeah. And then it kind of like, then like releases somehow a mm -hmm. little something, you know? And it's like, mm -hmm. I used to call writing songs a little bit like jogging it out, so yeah. to speak. And like, um, and I think that you reminded me when you were saying that about like the chord progression and then like playing it over and over and then mm -hmm. something just kind of like, mm -hmm. Oh, there are the words, yep. you know? And then you get maybe one lyric or one line and then it'll be like playing that and singing that over and over and over again. Till yeah. it's like, well, where is this going now? It's kind of like you're envisioning the, the sound. And so it's like, Oh yeah, now it's supposed to go here. Well, now I think it's, you know, what are the words saying? Like, where does the melody curve go with like that to, to bring it out and that's that's the, that's the fun part that's the part that never gets old mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. every song's a journey yeah somebody should probably write a song about that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, but it reminds me a lot of jackson brown i think he had mm -hmm. a very similar writing method where he would find a chord progression he liked he'd play it 20 or 30 times and then start vocalizing and if he got a verse or a lyric it was it was a matter of singing each component or playing each component 20 or 30, 30 times before he could really move on yeah. to the next thing and um yeah we were talking to sam hatch on the podcast and he was mm -hmm. expressing and i really like this but he was expressing a very personal story but about a, a relative of his that was a musician and also had alzheimer's and how mm -hmm the music was the last thing to go. Mm -hmm. And it was also the one thing that would bring that person back to lucidity for a little while. Yeah. And it, you know, it makes sense because to ingrain, like I, I think over time you become the instrument. It's not mm -hmm. just that you're playing an instrument, but you are the instrument, your voice, the words, the music, all of it together. But you have yeah. to do a lot of work. It's a lot of time to ingrain that 
into your body and into your mind and into the neural pathways. So I can totally relate to that. But I I also feel the pressure behind that too. Because it's like sometimes it'll you'll start writing and then you're like, I have to finish this song or why are you wasting time doing like all the thoughts start coming in. It's like, how do mm-hmm. I block those out? And so that I can kind of be a conduit, I guess, in a way is just sort of what it feels like. Cause I write stuff yeah. sometimes I'm like, that did not come from CB Johnson. <laughs> 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 that came straight out of the ether. I yeah. cannot write that well, but I'm grateful that it, you know, yeah. got out of my pen or out of my thumbs. Into my phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. It is. It feels like you feel like a conduit. You feel yeah. just kind of like the like channeling someone else. Up. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that's that's a great part, too. Um, also, going back and just once it's out there, like for me, I'll, I'll also sometimes turn into an over revisionist. So that's the other challenge that it's like, well, when is it done? Is yeah. it ever is it really? Ever is it ever done? done? There's right. some songs that like, come out now that I, I, I wrote like 20 years ago that I'm like, oh, darn, I got to re-record this now. Like, yeah. 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 I think that's so true, though. I mean, like I have to like. Music is all such personal taste, mm-hmm. but like one of the things for me is I don't like going to concerts and hearing it exactly like it is on the album. Yeah. I yeah. want to hear what the artist is expressing that day. Right. You know, yeah. and yeah. What, you know, whether it's how they're feeling or their mood, or maybe they were sick, or maybe they're really up and they're really mm-hmm. putting a lot of different energy into the song. And so for me, I think that's an important component. Like recording is just like a little snapshot of this is where I was with this song when mm-hmm. I recorded it. Yeah. And sometimes it's really easy to get tied to that in a negative or positive way, you know, yeah. either one. Yeah, I yeah. can't like that. I can think of so many times that I've heard a band or musician's song for the first time live and then I get it on the album and I'm like, oh, I liked how it was the night I heard it for the first time and it doesn't sound like that. Yeah. (laughs) And you're like, you just want to hear that live recording, you know. And that's one of the cool things about the songwriter community, too, is is hearing so many different takes as songwriters cover other musicians, right? You know, so I like it when somebody takes a song and really makes it their own. I think there's valuable music lesson in, like, covering it as close to the album as you can Mm because you're learning in that process. But when you really make it your own, I've I've heard songwriters do songs, and I'm like, oh, my God, that was an amazing song. Did you write that? And they're like, no, dude, that's so-and-so. And I'm like... Oh, you I'm did that to me once. You were like, I was playing it for mental, and you and and I played a Brandy Carlisle song, and you were like watching me, and I could see in your face that you were like, gosh, that song. <laughs> and then you came up to me afterwards, you were like, that song was amazing. Did you write that? And I was like, no. <laughs> I wish that I wrote it. It was uh, every time I hear that song by Brandy Carlisle. Oh, I love Brandy Carlisle. <laughs> well, that's the thing. When you really are able to embody it and make it your own, where mm-hmm. the person, the listener can't even quite tell, you know you've done yeah. you've done a good job, too. Absolutely. It's that fi- it is a fine line, though, because sometimes you're like, okay, guys, that's like not even close to, <laughs> no, you know, yeah. it's a fine line. But um that's something I've noticed about the differences in the music scenes coming from New York um, to North Carolina. There are so many amazing uh, songwriters cover um, that uh, cover other amazing songwriters. Like the the you know saying cover band just doesn't seem to do it justice. Mm-hmm. Like it, it it's really people in like taking to heart and embodying these songs and. Uh, 
you know, y'all got some stamina too. Like I, one thing that's different, that's really the, the key difference is in New York, when I play a gig, generally, usually speaking, it's about a 45 minute to an hour set. Yes, please. <laughs> wow. And, I and, could do four of those in you know, one day. I heard that's the way in LA too. Yeah. Um, yeah. That it's like an hour set. And, but it's more focused on original music. Yes. It's, it's yeah. usually all original music. And so that's, and, and so it's the, the energy you put into less amount of time is, is very different. Yes. So, like yeah. the majority of shows around here, I played a, a gig at uh, Peace and Kava a couple of weeks ago, and it was like, oh, two hours, and I was like, like the, two hours the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, I think yeah, I got two hours worth of music for sure. But um, you know, I have to approach this differently because I can't just you know, uh, right. You know, I'll need to sit down eventually. I'm getting you know, it's it's a <laughs> oh, different yeah. it's a different kind of vibe. And but but the 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 cover the. the musicians covering other different like genres of music and it could be like top 40 it could be like classic rock it could be the old folk standards um that i've heard i am just so blown away by and you know for me I, that's how i still feel like maybe it's my old um chasing back to my roots of feeling like i don't fit in um like i i don't have i i do more of my own stuff so it's an it, you know i'm not really quite sure where there's so many opportunities to do that and i'm still exploring and learning i mean you know? i think you're tapping into a huge conversation that goes on all the time in the music community in wilmington right mm -hmm. you know and and it's a venue conversation yeah. where are you as the venue hiring me to entertain your guests mm -hmm. and you know essentially be background music which is fine mm -hmm. right um or are you hiring me because you want me to perform original music and drive traffic to your venue? Because the two are completely different things. Mm -hmm. If I'm playing mm -hmm. live at Ted's, I'm going to do everything I can to get 20, 30, 40 people there because mm -hmm. it's at the door. It's my music. Absolutely. But if you want me to come in and play four hours of covers while you enjoy your martinis, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a different deal. And Absolutely. there's there's some weird pressure that goes on in, specifically in this town. And I think it's a ties into this mm -hmm. around people spending a bunch of money to renovate or build a restaurant or a bar. And then they're like, well, let me get the popular musicians to play that are playing four or five nights a week mm -hmm. and go, you need to bring everybody that you can. Mm. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I reserve that. It's like, you know, how yeah. you were able to drive as much traffic to your shows via text message, basically, because it's yeah. about, about relationships. And I'm not going to expend my relate. If you can't, if you put a million and a half dollars yeah. into your bar and you can't figure out how to make it make money and hire me to entertain me, you probably think about something else. There's a different way to approach this. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So, there's, I mean, I think there's a, there's a, a little bit. It's a two-way street. It, it, needs, a two -way it street. needs to be a reciprocal thing, you know, and it's the same challenges that I came across in, in uh, New York City was that there was a big expectation to have this big draw um, and, and also to promote the entire thing yourself and then if the venue isn't collaborating with you to do that then it's tricky to make that that happen especially if it's like um, you know Tuesday night at seven o'clock or something you know <laughs> yeah. so I think it's a good it's worthwhile to have the conversation with with the if you are able to with the business owners of the establishment to see that you know we're on the same wavelength of expectations mm -hmm. and if they really want it to be a music venue that caters and fosters a music scene in a community then they need to you know step up and and help establish that be it providing your own sound system so the songwriter isn't schlepping their gear and having to set mm -hmm. up for an hour mm -hmm. um be it like arranging like a covered thing where it's like okay if you can bring in 20 people then you get you know 
this in addition to what um, this whatever the the payment that you'll be receiving like yeah. that would be ideal because yeah. then and everybody's it's cool happy. Because like there are some places that are now doing that. That's the place so cool. Mm-hmm. In bottles. Mm-hmm. Um, is is one of those places they'll mm-hmm. they'll charge like a five dollar cover and then they've got their own sound system and so like they are fostering like uh-huh. kind of what we're talking about you the know, place like, and bottles huh mental notes yeah. yep it's called yeah. the place it's oh, called place. it's in bottles oh in bottles but it's the yeah, yeah the place gotcha. and it's a it's a nice stage it's a nice room cool. and yeah. we're fortunate in wilmington to have a couple spaces like to, ha- to have mm-hmm. live at ted's to have yeah. the place right right you know and we're, we're grateful for that oh yeah um, i've heard great things about live at ted's oh, you guys do the voice and pen there yeah first first wednesday of each month awesome. yeah you yeah. would love playing live at ted's yes you would that oh. would be i feel like that would be right up your alley i would love that would be a perfect venue for you. And and I know um, this past year I've been kind of settling in and not to talk about what I do for work, but it's been going through kind of a transition. I work in nonprofit mm-hmm. um, and they've been merging with another nonprofit. And such is the case. My schedule's been a little flip floppy all over the place, even mm-hmm. though I have the luxury of working remote. So I really can't complain. The hours have been a little bit stretched outside my normal parameters but i do see the light at the end of the tunnel with uh, the merger finally kind of settling in and some key uh staffing vacancies starting to get filled not to bore you with the details i, ca- but, I cannot imagine i work yeah. in nonprofit, and oh, i yeah. cannot imagine trying to merge two nonprofits. oh god in new york city that <laughs> oh, um, no, work that primarily focus on homeless outreach oh, and social gosh. services yeah holy smokes yeah wow. so we're definitely keeping busy um we'll, we'll chat another time about, yeah, about kookaloris yeah. the film festival that i work at oh cool yeah <laughs> separate conversation but, um, yeah you know that that something that you said in there sort of brings me full circle to mm-hmm. a comment that you made earlier and I want to chat with you about before you play some songs for mm-hmm. us. Um, but, you know, people asking you, you know, are you still doing the music thing? Mm-hmm. You know, is that still happening in your life? And it's interesting because I think as musicians, um, when you decide that you're going to like, okay, I'm going to take this seriously, then there's um, there's a switch that sort of gets flipped. Mm-hmm. And like a lot of people, they go to their work and they do their things so that they can have this sort of specific family life or they can go on a certain number of vacations or they can have a certain kind of car. Mm -hmm. And what I think at least happened for me is it's like everything else in my life became about earning enough income that to support me doing music, you know, so it's sort of like you almost want to flip the question back to him and be like, so are you still doing the vacation thing? Are you still, you know, <laughs> I mean, are you still like messing around with going to the beach in the summer and stuff? You know, because I think it's about, you know, like priorities and you're what still you doing do. the sleeping thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like you said, breathing. Right? Yeah. 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 Are you still breathing? You know. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, the different perspectives that we have on the world, but like it's for me, it's there's there's not much I wouldn't do to support myself continuing to play music. Yeah. We won't talk yeah. about what those things are. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. You ready to play some music? Oh, I so am. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It's wonderful to talk to you. Likewise. Grateful to have yes. Linda Draper on the Voice in the Pen podcast. I feel like these today. are never long enough to like ask all the things you want to ask. Which, but yeah. which is why we need to have you back. You yeah. know, uh, <laughs> love to yeah, anytime. Awesome. Thank you. Well, we're gonna flip the yeah. room over and get things changed up. All the days we used to chase around the rolling sun seem to be a lifetime ago now. And everything that once has been has never quite become as important to us as it has right now. History 
repeats herself just like she always does. Her old man time never listens. Talk is cheap still, they keep speaking in their crooked tongues, trying to sell me the idea that we're all in this together. I beg to differ, I beg to differ. We were never all in this together. There is no tether, nor was there ever. Cause we were never all in this together. I was on the eight train on the day the towers fell, just about a lifetime ago now. And what was really happening, I couldn't even tell. I still have problems explaining it now. History repeats herself just like her mother nature. Her father in time never listens. Her talk is cheap still, they keep squeaking like a broken wheel. Trying to make me a deal, they say. We're all in this together. I beg to differ, I beg to differ We were never all in this together There is no tether, nor was there ever Cause we were never all in this together They will float away, float away At the first chance they get for called Tether, and this next one I'm going to play is called Hollow. Nothing more than your shadow 
Can you see it now? Can you see it now? Get it out of your system before you grow cold and numb. Left, right, march to the beat of the monotonous humdrum. Get it out of your system. from my lack of action stick with me you'll see it unfold again in the wind in the hail in the belly of a whale everybody needs a little reaction can you feel it now can you the monotonous humdrum get it out of your system